Hey everybody, it's Sean Astin here in Grand Junction, Colorado, and I just want to say you are listening to Top 5 Comics. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Here with us today we have CBS. Why is that to be that way? We also have Rob. Uh, that's just it's just how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> oh my god, you have like a train wreck and you can't stop watching. Sometimes. I'm telling you, you ever seen one? No, I haven't seen it. It's like watching that van on fire. In case you don't follow me on Tumblr. No. Twitter. Instagram? Instagram, that's the one. You should do that because that van on fire is crazy. I swear a lot. Man, do I swear a lot. That's not the best reason to try to follow, though. I do put on some good pictures, Rob. That's what's for. Pictures. Okay. And videos of vans on fire. I, I believe it. All right. Well, <clears throat> so like the announcer guy said, welcome to the Top Life Comics Podcast. Uh, today we're doing episode number 83. Holy cow. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. 83. That's right. That's more than DC will ever see again in yeah, numbers. regular issue. Well, we jumped to the 900s, man. Oh, that's right. That's right. Never mind. So we beat that's that. That's more than Marvel will ever see again. I that's probably that. true. That is probably true. No, they're going to trapply jump here soon, too, when they realize that uh, they can hit 1,000 with Spider-Man. Oh, that's a good point. Amazing Spider-Man will probably jump Just to 1,000. Add them all together. Yeah. Perfect. That's the way the system works. Yeah. All right. We'll do a little bit of comic. Well, we got I get a tiny bit of news this week. I'll give you, there's probably some stuff that we missed or didn't pay attention to. Uh, you know, because why pay attention? Well, uh, the dog pound isn't here right. to give us the news. Yeah, the dog pound isn't here to give us the news, which is a sad day. Yeah. Sad day. Those dogs work hard. Those are hot dogs. You'd be surprised, both. It's really confusing when you order lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty bad. Um. So, let's see. So, let's start with, uh, so Turbo Kid... If you are not aware of Turbo Kid, then you really need to watch it. Uh, I've been told it's on Netflix. I've not actually looked to see it myself, but I've been told it's in people's queues. And I say, why haven't you watched it? And they're like, eh. I'm like, well, get to it, man. So Turbo Kid has released, or the people who made Turbo Kid have released a music video, which is a prequel to the movie Turbo Kid. Now, before you jump on the internet and you're like, Turbo Kid music video... It will spoil part of the movie. I'm just saying, it does. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, don't watch the video, because it'll ruin part of it. You should rewatch the movie first, then see the prequel. Which sounds stupid, but it's like three minutes, so it's not that big a deal. It's kind of like Evil Dead or Army of Darkness, where it does a sum up at the beginning of the film. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to watch Turbo Kid, watch the first one, and then check out this video. Because it's leading to... Yeah, what you learn in the movie. Anyway, other news along with Turbo Kid, because it's Turbo kid Apparently they're working on a sequel for Turbo Kid. That's the word, at least. Now, granted, it could be secrets and lies, because those people all live in a foreign country. Well, different country than ours. But, the way it sounds is they're getting the two main characters to reprise their roles. So we'll get to see Turbo Kid, or Kid, and Apple again which is awesome. Which is also sort of confusing if you know how the movie ends. But nevertheless, 
fantastic. And if you haven't watched it, you're really missing out. It's pretty much somebody who was born in the 90s or 2000, their take on an 80s movie. So it's so over the top. It's it fantastic. out of control. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Good. It's 80s riffic. I'm telling you, it, it, it is. Uh, anyways, that's enough Turbo Kid fawning, I think. Um, although, Apple, that, that chick, see, uh, LaBeouf, she is beautiful. My God. <clears throat> anyway, um, no relation to Shia that I'm aware of. Anyway, uh, again, so past that. Do we do we tell people books yet? No? no, no, we're doing news. We're doing news now. Yeah. Should I tell people books in the middle of news? No, let's just do the news. Okay, okay, so <laughs> let's, let's get that <laughs> that's, out of the way. That's cheese. Like, damn it, Curtis, you're right. It is cheese. Queso. Okay, we'll just have to tell them later. So I know. Okay. <sighs> anyway, so. Along with that, we have a little bit of news from the Arrow show, which, depending how much you follow that, you, whether or not you're aware of care people showing up in the next season, or the current, the coming season, starts in like two weeks, I think. Uh, Cody Rhodes, formerly Stardust from the WWE, is going to be showing up, and we're pretty sure at this point he's Wild Dog. Pretty sure. Which is something I told people should happen. Because I did. At a Comic-Con. And not just random people. People that matter. Anyway, we've also seen that we're getting Mr. Dolph Lundgren in season five, which I think is fantastic because he's Dolph freaking Lundgren, man. He's a freaking genius in real life, like actually a genius. But people don't seem to know that, which is all right. I mean, some people do, and then they hear it, they're like, ha-ha, funny, because he's the guy in the Rocky movie. Yeah, you're right. But the dude went to MIT, like, seriously. Like, really went to MIT. Awesome. Super bad, I think, badass. Nevertheless, I mean, at least one episode he's going to be in. I have a feeling he's actually going to be our masked new archer, because that would make sense. So the Prometheus character, dumb name to give him, because there's already Prometheus in DC. So you kind of fell there, guys, but whatever. But nevertheless, Vinny Jones was in season one, if you guys remember that. He played Brick, and then they did away with the character after that. So, Vinny Jones is a movie guy. Yeah, that's true. He's not Dolph Lundgren, but he's also a badass. Was there anything else, Rob? Oh, uh... Mar Marvel, this is comic book news, actually. That was like TV, movie, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's still related. Yeah. So, comic book news, we've learned here in the last, I don't know, maybe yesterday? I don't remember, I don't remember when they announced it. Um, but the new U.S. Avengers, which is coming out in November, I think, is going to have over 52 covers. Dun, dun, dun. What did you say when I told you that earlier, Rob? I said that that was not a good book to have 52 covers for, considering no one's going to buy it. That's not true. It's got Squirrel Girl in it, Red Hulk with a mustache. Have you seen the Red Hulk with a mustache? It looks awesome. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. I thought it would look awesome. It looks awesome. It does. It's a Magnum P.I.-rific. Yeah. <laughs> you said some swear words, too. Yeah, I But, did. just so you guys are aware, I mean, there's, there's the normal, like, they're doing a blank, and they're doing a... Uh, Scotty Young, and they're doing, of course, the normal cover, and there's, uh, shoot, there's, uh, 125 in Cinema, but I can't remember who's doing, but the others, now, depending what universe you live in, or are from, there's either 
48 states, 50 states, or 52 states in your memory. It's all Mandela effect thing, people. Look it up. We are getting the 50 state covers for U.S. Avengers. Each state has their own cover with the shape of the state and like an Avenger on top of it or jumping out of it and a different Avenger. So, because not many of them have been put out that I'm aware of. I've seen like five. Um, Iron Man's California. So it says, Iron Man, the Avenger of California on the cover. At least from the picture they had. And then Winter Soldier, I think, was... Oh, man, he was Indiana. I don't know why, but he's Indiana. Oh. And there's going to be one that says... There was one that said Canada, so it makes me question the state thing, because if there's a Canada one, and then... They did say 52 flag, though. 52 flags. So if Canada's being counted, then chances are there's a regular U.S., like just a whole country one, maybe? Maybe. But from what I understand, not all of them are released. I saw Luke Cage's, I saw um, Winter Soldier's, I saw Iron Man's, I saw Black Widow's. I feel like there was two others I saw, but I don't remember what they were now. But if Canada has Squirrel Girl on it, Rob, that's a win. I like how you don't care. I don't understand why that's a win. Because, man, the Squirrel Girl cosplay cover had Ricky Colty on it. Our, our friend from, oh, okay. from, from Riddle's Canada. Messy Wardrobe. From Riddle's Messy Wardrobe. Gosh, my words just slurred together there. I completely lost focus. Reasons you can understand if you know what I'm talking about, I guess. Anyway, she had the variant cosplay issue of Squirrel Girl number 12. By the way, awesome cover. Book itself, still kind of terrible art. Depending on who you are. <sighs> anyway... She is from Canada. Ricky. Yes. So. Okay, so yeah, it makes sense. They might pull like DC did and have Puerto Rico in there. You, well. But at least this time they're not, they're, they're not saying it's all American covers, but I mean, it's Avengers America. It shouldn't have Canada. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the title, it looks Whatever. like USA, and then the rest of the word Avengers afterwards. I, I didn't know the Mandela effect affected states, though. Yeah, yeah. How many states do you remember in your memory? Huh. Whether you believe there's 52 states in America... Why do you believe there's 50? Well, there's been two added. Hawaii and, But the and number of stars in the flag, that's the part that affects. Yeah, okay. But even if you count those, yeah, depends on where you're from, man. So it's Hawaii. What, ta- what, what universe you're from. Yeah. Weird, right? Or which upgrade you're from if you believe it's like the Matrix. Mandela Effect is crazy, people. I'm telling you. It's controlled my life for the past, like, month. It's pretty crazy. It is. It's crazy. <sighs> Logos that are wrong, movie lines that are wrong. And you say, to what end, Steve? To what end? And I say, um, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to erase Hitler from history. I don't know. Once they get it done, we won't know what it was. That's the whole point. Yeah, that's true. Right. And who's doing it? Again, don't know. Probably Google. <laughs> I, I hear it has something to do with the Adam Smasher. Or the, yeah, the Adam, the he drawn out Adam Colliders. It's possible it's them, too. So I would say it's a dual thing, maybe? Because the Hedron Collider, there's a lot of stuff about that that might be causing it, too, which is crazy. But at the same time, if you Google Mandela Effect in the map search, it takes you to, like, the pyramids in Egypt. Yeah, it does. It's freaking weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's a whole other batch of conspiracy crazy, so, you know. Um, that's all I got for new stuff. So, like, that was half things that sort of matter in comic books, and the rest of it is just crazy. <sighs> Should we do the name? Oh, yeah. Uh, so... 
I got a, a twi- Twitter, Twitter, a tweet, a tweet. Got a tweet from Jim Zub um, uh, from last week. Uh, to, he was letting me know how to pronounce uh, the artist's name. I'm, I'm going to try, Jim. I, I appreciate the breakdown because it made it make so much more sense to me. Um, but I, I got an Anglo tongue, so I don't know if I'll say it right or not. Uh, so Jai Brill is how the name is said, I believe. Uh, pronunciation, the way it was explained to me uh, by Jim, is that it's J-I hyphen B-R-I-L-L would be how you pronounce it phonetically. That's not how it's spelled, because it's spelled with a D and a J and a... That it's, yeah. yeah, it's just spelled differently. It's fine. Right, anyway. You're a fantastic artist. If you guys... One more plug for Glitter Bomb, which we're not reviewing this week, but we did last week. Yeah. And if you haven't read it, I think it's fantastic, but Horror Story Crazy is awesome, so... There you go. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Jim. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, looking out. Anyway, uh, so let's do a list of books because we probably should have said that before the news, or I should have maybe. maybe. I don't, I don't okay. know who controlled any of this. Ah, telling you, it's an organic show. That's not true. Yeah. There's no plants in here at all. Well, no, it just it just grows on its own. Oh, okay. We yeah. didn't. We didn't ever really go. Okay. Well, this is how we're gonna do this. Although we probably should have. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Before eighty-three of these were done. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, if you're keeping score at home, that's like a plus five for Rob. Ah. So books today. We're we're gonna do. Man. Ah. Detective Comics <laughs> number nine forty. <laughs> Civil War two. Choosing sides number six. Revolution number one from IDW. Uh, Teen Titans Rebirth number one. And we'll wrap it up with Karnak number five from the, the illustrious Marvel Comics. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they're illustrious. The mouse run? No? Whatever. Maybe. Ah, uh, so. I do love uh, Well, you know. <clears throat> the theme park's got Marvel stuff in it now, so that's awesome. There you go. Plus, they have all that Star Wars stuff that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm still not a roller coaster guy. And Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, probably the best ride ever. There's not a lot of rides that end in hell. No, it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? Okay, uh, so let's go and start with the Detective. You yeah. sound like a good place to be yeah. at? Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. <clears throat> so, uh, Detective Comics, we're dealing with number uh, 940. And uh, we've—it's been a pretty big build-up of what's been happening. We've had this uh, a lot of inner uh, turmoil going on as far as things in the book. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, so we're dealing with the writer. We got uh, James Tinian, and then uh, pencils are by Eddie Barrows for this particular issue. Um, and as far as art, I mean, the art is fantastic. And, and James, I think it's Tinian. Tinian—that's how you say it. Uh, good writer, man. Like. It's, the book's been it's been really good. Detective's been great actually. Like the covers have all been awesome. The interiors have been good. I mean up to this point the book's been great. Uh this one's good too. That wasn't a okay, careful what I say. <clears throat> that wasn't a knock on the book cuz it's good. Anyway, we open up and uh where we open up at we're in the middle of a of a room full of uh, military type and uh <sighs> secret government agency type, and they're basically watching Red Robin battle it out in Gotham. And uh, we we find out that he's having a batch of drones, like Batman drones, sent after him. 
and they were programmed by mistake. Well, they were, they were programmed to go after Batman, really. And then, uh, well, Tim got in the way, and uh, now they're after him. And uh, the guy that programmed them, of course, didn't build a failsafe or a shutoff or anything else, because he didn't want Batman to have the, that to exploit. And it's a younger guy, almost probably Tim's age, actually. And uh, we learned that uh, the general that we've been dealing with, I think we actually learned this two issues ago, it's, uh, it's Batwoman's father. And she's there, and uh, Batman is sending a call for anybody in the area to get to Tim. Because Tim's going to need help fighting these drones, because they're, what they're designed to do is basically kill him. And they're sending waves after waves after waves of it. So, Kathy's there, and she's uh, basically yelling at Dad for what he's done, because he's basically killing a kid. And Dad's like, oh, we're trying to stop it. You see, we're trying to stop it. This wasn't what was intended, with his nonsense. And, of course, that leads to her basically decking him, which is awesome. And uh, it's basically yelling at him how, he, how he's always, how, how all she's ever tried to do is make him pleased by her, or uh, to, be proud of her. to be proud of her. And, like, every turn he fails her. So it's like, it's really pretty awesome, like, her, the way she lectures him. He's like, you don't understand, whenever this all comes out, we'll see that I'm, I'm the one that was right, and you'll be coming back to me about it. Which, obviously, he's a madman, it's kind of gotten out of control. And uh, she informs him that Argus and uh, his boss are aware of what's happening, and he's going to want to spend the rest of his life in prison, in the military jail. And, of course, he starts dialing up a way to escape, and that basically leads... Her smashing him out of the window of the helicarrier, the hella... It's not a helicarrier, but it, it looks, looks like, like a helicarrier. Smashing out the window and pulling him with her to, to the uh, rooftop below. And basically apprehending him. And she lets Batman know that she has him in custody. And he's like, you need to get to Tim. But that's what Batman says. Uh, because at this point, Tim has beat the first wave of drones, but he's messed up. Like, he's hurting, he's in a bad way. Broken ribs, broken leg, he talks about. And Tim realizes that there's another wave coming, and he's not going to be able to make it through that, but there's nothing else for him to do. And so he starts talking very, like, I know this is in the line kind of stuff. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, that's what it is. But he he's, like, basically giving a send-off to Tim, to, to Cassie Spoiler, to... To everybody that he's he's able to talk to, he basically tells them that he's appreciated them, and like he calls Stephanie, he's talking to Stephanie last, and he talks to her about you finally made me see the kind of man I wanted to be, which is all kind of stuff from the previous universe, because when the two of them got hooked up together before her fake death, whenever Black Mass killed her, uh-huh. the way they were together was very, like, that was the couple that was going to be if they got older together, whether they were heroes or not that was the connection Tim wanted in the world. Well, that kind of came back in this a little bit, and he basically explains that to her in, like, one sentence. So all the words I said, he makes up in, like, two sentences, which is awesome. Of course, that uh, breaks her inside a little bit, and then uh, we get this crazy splatter page of just hell and gunfire tearing him apart. It's it's brutal. Oh, my God, it's brutal. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to take if you're a Tim Drake fan. Um, it really is. Uh, but that's not even the clutch in the book, man. Holy crap. We're only halfway through the book, and, like, you're already at this crazy peak of crazy, of just everything being crazy. I mean, it's not often we see a hero fall, and when we do, it, you know, it's, it, this is bad. Yeah. 
Like, like not a lot of ways out from a bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, Batman gets there after the uh, hell of bullets and the drones have left, and he finds Tim's bow, and about the same time, uh, Batwoman shows up, and uh, she uh, tells him she has the, the dad who's going to turn him in, he tells him, no, you take him to one of the cells, he's going to pay for what he's done. And we go from there to spoiler, and it's much later, and she's she's crying, and like, at, at home, and we find out that Bruce is there, and he's wanting to know if she's okay. And uh, that leads to kind of a couple moments between them, and then she's like, you don't understand, hands of this letter. Now, what's inside the letter, it just makes this even, like, a harder thing. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's in the letter, because that's a piece of the clutch. It's not the main clutch, because there's another, like, five, six pages... They're the actual clutch at the end of the book. So I'm going to stop there. But as far as like a send-off or a death of a hero, at this point, things are pretty bleak. And i got to stop there, because otherwise it spoils the entire end. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't read number 940, get on it, because I'll, I'll give you, the taste of my mouth in the middle is not the same as it is at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, Score-wise... Man, I don't know, dude. It's, I give it a four and a half, because I was super pissed in the middle. Like, Grayson's my boy, but I, I have a sweet spot for all those guys in my... Like, whether it be Jason, Damien, Tim, Bluebird, all of them I have a, sp a, sp a spot for. The only one that's not in there yet is, is doing something different. And... At some point, his, I, yellow, his yellow helmet will fit on the mat mantle in there, but it, yeah, he's it, not yet. It'll be there. It'll be there soon. But man, yeah, it yeah four and a half. It's a really it's a really good issue. Like yeah, it's it's, it's good. Um, super detrimental to the whole entire bat clan as it was. Yeah. Um, you a score for that book? Uh, I I follow up. I'll do four and a half. Um, Tim Drake, I think, has been probably the least well-handled of all the Robins in the New 52. New 52, I agree with you, yes. Um, and, and, you know, if you've listened to this, you know that I've complained and complained and complained about Tim. This book felt like Tim Drake. Yeah. Most of this detective stuff has. Yeah, it really has. I mean, him going back to the old suit was a little odd. Right. It felt like a step backwards. But I, I get it if this was the build-up for it. I think it made sense. We got rid of the wings, which... Some people loved them. I'm not a fan of the wings. I mean, I, I wasn't. No. I, I much prefer the Red Robin costume prior when they when they aged him up during the end of new, the pre-New 52 stuff, where he had the black cowl and the basically the same colors, but he was wearing a Batman cowl instead without the without the ears. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have took the pre-52 costume. Yeah. I, I like over the New 52 costume. Sure. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I thought it was an, another, like, bad step for the for the New 52 Robin. But uh, this book has been really great, and all the choices that they've made, from including Clayface, to this kind of shadowy army, to even having Cassandra in there, and her taking the name Orphan, like have, have all been great steps. Yeah. So Detective Comics, for me, is starting to become like one of the best... Batman books that's out there. And it's, it's definitely it's definitely on the top line right now. I mean, it's been yeah. super interesting. And yeah, it's a weird cast at first, because you're like, Clayface, really? And they make it work. Yeah, you no, know? they totally knew what they were doing. Yeah. This, this story, this is what really great comic writing is. Is that you, you know what you're doing, 
and you're not just doing shock value stuff for shock value. And then going, oh, well, how do we figure it out next week? Right. Good good stuff. Um, But, yeah, I would definitely say that's an issue to to check into. Uh, All right, uh, let's move on to Civil War II choosing size number six. That's great. Rob, you want to try to tell me a story about Civil War? All right. So this actually has quite a few different people working on it, because each issue has three different stories, and it has had an ongoing story with Nick Fury. Uh, yeah, like the, the third story in the series, right? Yeah. The third one for this one, I, I think it's almost always the third one in the okay. choosing side stuff. Um, anyhow, so the first story is going to be Jessica Jones with writer Chelsea Kane and artist Allison Simpson. The second story is going to be White Fox with writer Christian Strain, or Christina Strain, I'm sorry, and artist Santa Takeda. Takeda. Sure. Santa... Takeda. Anyhow, um, and so the final one is Nick Fury's story with writer and artist Declan Shelby. He's doing both. Oh, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, so uh, the first story is basically dealing with Jessica Jones um, trying to find out who Ulysses is. Yeah, so it's an investigation story, so... Yeah, she, she's... She's been contracted by Iron Man to kind of find out dirt on Ulysses. And she basically can't accept that he's totally normal. Like she was expecting something out of the park. And as she looks into him, he's he's too clean. He's too squeaky clean. And eventually she finds, you know, a little, a little bit of something that, that proves to her that he's not, you know, that he's normal. And it's just kind of, it's actually kind of a funny story. A little bit. I mean, yeah, the way it, the way it rolls out. It's very if you, if you watch the Jessica or Jessica Jones the series from Netflix, um, it's like everything that could go wrong for her goes wrong. Maybe not everything, but things go wrong for her. Like there's a point in there she's driving her rental car, which happens to be like a what was she driving? Lamb? She's driving something. She's driving a Porsche. A Porsche. Yeah, right. she, she rented a Porsche on uh, Tony's visa basically, right. and decided not to get insurance because. Who gets insurance? Insurance is for suckers. I'm pretty sure she says that. Yeah. And then, of course, she wrecks it. Yeah. Granted, it is after a weird event that happens with a frog, which I didn't quite understand. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be really anything other than... Just causing her to wreck? We'll go with that. I, I would say I would say filler. Oh, there you go. But... Yeah. Kind of poetic filler, I guess. Sure. Anyway, so, so the second story is... The White Fox. Right. Um, which were introduced to Agent Hanami, who's from South Korea. And basically Captain Marvel and Agent Brand are trying to get her to join Captain Marvel's little little side of things so that they would have a representative in South Korea. Right. I don't know if we've actually introduced Agent Hanami before. And I, I'm not familiar with the White Fox, whether she's made an appearance before or not. If not, she's she's actually really cool and should be rolling out into comics pretty soon. Hopefully see more of her. I mean, the art in this is beautiful, too. Like, this yeah. this uh, this middle story, the art is just amazing. The thing is, is it the same person doing Monstrous? It is. Okay, so yeah, it, the art is fantastic. Um, but yeah, the White Fox character, I can't really say I know much about her either. 
And it feels like a name that I should know, but don't. But yeah, her look is really cool. I mean, as far as the story, they're basically just trying to recruit her, and that's basically it. It has an interesting hook in the end of it. She's, she's basically got similar abilities to Squirrel Girl in that she can speak with animals. Right. And she has some animal friends that kind of clue her into stuff. But she's connected to, like, a human form of a nine-tail fox. Right. So she has kind of, like, a pretty mysterious origin, but she's very much like a patriot of South Korea, which is crazy because South Korea is the is the communist state, Korea. Right. Uh, and she kind of makes a big deal at the end of it in that her people understand what it means to be discriminated against and to not have choices. Right. And so that she's... She's going to make her own decisions. Right. She's not her gonna, future's not laid in front of her. She'll, she'll make her own future. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of her her friends. You know, she has like a pigeon that's all torn up. It's like one of her... The scar of the eye. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of her familiars. So, really cool little mini story. Um, yeah, honestly, like, if, if you ran this with this artist... You get everything that people want with Squirrel Girl, except for, like, it would be worth reading. Oh. Stories aren't bad, it's just not good art. Yeah. Kind of sucks everything down. Yeah. Um, so, Nick Fury. This is going to be the culmination issue. So, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen in this that we can't really explain. So, I'm just going to kind of try to give the general feel that we're getting from this story instead. Sure. Um, what this feels like is is the author has realized, like, Nick Fury has taken a super backseat. And we're talking Nick Fury Jr., of course. Right. Um, and he really has. He's not the head. When you look at Nick Fury before, you knew something was going to come up. You knew he had secrets on top of secrets on top of secrets, but he was usually acting in the best interest of people. Maria Hill has been kind of the shadowy side of that. When she shows up, you don't know who she's working for. Nick has been kind of her thug. He really hasn't been... Nick Jr. Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Jr. has mm-hmm. kind of been the thug. He's not really been the guy. You know, he doesn't have all the info. And a lot of times he's working blind, more so than some of the people that they're working with. What happens in this story, or what I feel like happens in this story, is that Nick Fury Jr. is going to step up to that next level. He's going to become the real replacement for Nick Fury. Like, he's going to really take over that role of information broker and kind of shadowy secret agent that actually knows what's going on and is kind of moving the pieces on the board instead of being moved. It seems like that's the path they're wanting to try to take for him. Yeah. So we're interested to see how that works. I mean, because at this point, we don't have a regular Nick Fury doing anything except for maybe sitting on the moon. Yeah, and he's supposed to be the Watcher now. Wow. Which is... Kind of. Yeah. Um, Not... Not in name, but kind of. Provided that's all still true after Secret Wars, Rob. God. I think we saw them. No, oh, maybe we did. I don't remember. Either way. Mm. Yeah. Nevertheless, yeah, it seems like they're trying to push him to the forefront to take that role. Yeah. And he may be abandoning the eye patch, which would actually be nice because it may be like a move for him away from just being Nick Fury, but black. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if I like the idea of him just being a dude wearing sunglasses, because it means he's always going to be wearing sunglasses, or is going to be one of those situations where you're, you're looking at Cable without a cool glowy eye, just like a dead 
<laughs> a d- like, a dead MTI? Like a dead, M- yeah, a dead MTI. If you put a fish in it, it'd be like a fish tank. It, it may also be metaphoric. Oh, maybe. His his, his glasses may be. But, oh, but. let's go with metaphor. Hey, either way, I, I feel like what this story is really telling us is that Nick is, is done being Maria's thug. Right. And that he's going to be like a more full character. Agreed. Which I, I think is, is a good option, because honestly, like, I, I get the feeling sometimes that they're they're like, oh, well, this just didn't work. So let's push him to the back, and eventually we'll just bring Nick Fury back, and we'll be fine. Yeah. But I, I feel like this is a step more towards, okay, well, let's live with the decision we made. Even though I miss having the real Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr. could become something really cool now. Um, the tricky thing is that this is three stories. And even though I, I kind of like where they went with Nick, um, and I, I like the, the the White Fox story, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like all three of them were this top tier book. So I don't want to be unfair, but I I think about two point five really. Okay. Um, yeah, I, great as a whole. Unfortunately, yeah. like you said, it's. The only one of them is a culmination story, anyway. Yeah. Because the other ones are all, or the other, the others throughout the series have been one-shot pieces. Yeah. So it's like trying to give a book that explains a bunch of dead ends for characters, so we know what they were doing during Civil War. Which is fine. I mean, not everybody can be at the forefront. Yeah. So I mean, it is what it is. But. Yeah, but I mean, like, if I was going to go through it, like, I, I feel like the Jessica Jones story, maybe that's how they did Al- Alias. I didn't read Alias. Right. But it feels like they they put a lot of metaphor into it that I, I, I just didn't think was necessary and didn't think it helped the story. Hmm. Uh, White Fox, I thought, was actually really cool. Um, and if they go somewhere with her, that'll be awesome. But I, I really enjoyed the last story. I enjoyed the Nick Fury story, so... Sure. Anyways, sorry, so two and a half. All right. Um, yeah, you know, I follow suit with you, too. I mean, it's an anthology book, so it's hard to score it, because you're basically having to lump it together with three different stories. And even if you, even if you love the, the, the Nick Fury story, it doesn't change the fact that you're dealing with the Jessica Jones story, which is a one-off, just like all the rest of them have been. And it's not, it's not a bad story, but it's a little rough. I mean, it's a little rough. Hmm. So I give it a two and a half, too. I mean... Two and a half also. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say it just didn't work for me, that, that particular story. Right. I mean, it was funny. It had moments where it was funny. Oh, yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, it just, seeing Ulysses' room and having that explained, like, the pieces in it, I thought was funny, but all it really yeah. did show is he's a college dude. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, yeah. It was a book that I read. Two and a half, because the worst would be zero, right? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I've ever read. Well, I, I haven't read anything that that we've talked about that's like that. Because I mean, typically if it's, it's a zero, there's there's no reason to even. There's put no it reason. Out there. Yeah, there's no reason to review it. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's move on to Revolution. <laughs> this is from the IDW. Now to set this thing up. Yeah, I think that's important. <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't make any sense at all. So we have the trans. We have, basically what we have is we have Hasbro. Now, if you're a fan of the '80s or you're a a child in the '80s. And you should be aware of at least one or two of these properties. Um, G.I. Joe would be one. Transformers would be another. Now, these have both got major franchise movies that have happened, whether you like them or not. They even go further back with this, though. Oh, yeah. But eventually we get to Action Man in this, too. Yeah. Which Action Man predates G.I. Joe in Q. 
case you didn't know that. Or Action Team. Uh, action, te- uh, action Team. Yeah, Action Team. Action Man was separate from Action Team, although he is in here too. <laughs> so <clears throat> we have Action Man. We have the Action Team, which was prior to G.I. Joe. Uh, they're the ones with the AT logo that's in a circle, in case you've ever seen a G.I. Joe thing, and you're like, I don't understand what that is. It, that's what that is part of. Anyway, um, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and then the illustrious Rom. Yes. I like using the word illustrious, apparently. Uh, who was also originally a toy, which I know if you've listened to the show before, you probably heard us talk about Rom before, or me talk about Rom before, because Rom is my favorite. Toaster head. <clears throat> anyway, so all those properties... Oh, plus plus more. Oh, uh, yes, uh, we also have Mask. Yeah. Uh, which I don't feel like was in this episode very much. No. But is supposed to be incorporated as well. Yeah, it, it'll um, show up soon. Along with the Micronauts. Which, if you think Micro is being the title, Micronauts it makes, it explains the whole thing. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know still. either. It, it's, it, it's too soon to tell. As we... You're a good line from the past. Yeah, yeah as, as, as we, we go, we I'm more, sure. We'll find out more. Sure, we'll find out more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So chill out is what it is. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this this particular issue is written by uh, John uh, Bar- Barber and Colin Bunn, um, and art is by uh, Fico Asso Asio Asio. It's O S S I O. So again, pronunciation is hard for my square Anglo tongue. If that does that make sense? That's how you're saying. Yeah. That? I, I, I should weird, stop saying that because it's, it's weird, isn't yeah, it? Weird. Okay, well, I'll stop saying that. Uh, anyhow, uh, this is a... Uh, <laughs> I have a, real much, a bunch of really cool covers. Uh, art is fantastic, by the way. I mean, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's kind of... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's almost fun because, like, I mean, the way it's colored is kind of fun. Like, it's, it's, got, it's got a pretty wide color palette. Um, anyway, we start out, um, out, in the, uh, out in the mountains, and we have uh, a fellow who's... Uh, Gliding uh, with a cable attached to him, which is attached to like a, uh, I don't know, like a jump plane almost. Okay. Um, and like we find like some kind of helicopter thingy. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's like a mixed plane helicopter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we find out where we're heading is to Mount Olympus in Greece. And <laughs> as you yourself might have said, that's a real place. Well, that's what Action Man also says. Uh, that's who we're with. The good thing about this book is as it start, goes through, it explains who. It gives a little like bubble next to the person, most of the most of the characters, to tell you who they're supposed to be. So th- we're right now we're we, we wind up joining Action Man in progress, and it explains Action Man is Ian Noble, who is a British special agent, so like James Bond, except not James Bond. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's been him and his uh, his partner, whose name I don't remember, have been have been called out to uh, answer a distress call that they've. Managed to catch in the airwaves, and so Action Man winds up finding a crevice into the mountain. And the entire time he's talking about how he can't believe that this is a real thing, he gets in there and he sees purple crystals glowing and finds a, a shredded up uh, Big Ben. Which, if you're a GI Joe uh, fan. fan or enthusiast, you should know Big Ben was was an ex SAS officer, um, so like the Russian GI Joe. Yeah, um, and he is in a bad way. Because he's stabbed all over the place with crystals. And uh, he's talking to Action Man, trying to, to explain to him what's happened. And he winds up handing him a dog tag. And the dog tags turn out to be G.I. Joe dog tags. And 
he basically blames G.I. Joe for his state. Which doesn't make a lot of sense, considering. I mean, mercenary or not, Big Ben's still, even being ex-G.I. Joe, he's still a G.I. Joe. Yeah, he's still connected. So, that stuff doesn't make any sense. Anyway, he tells, uh, he tells him, make sure you, to make sure you tell him, like, to finish my mission or whatever. And he tells the action man to get out of there. And about that time, we see energy fluctuation starts happening. And all these crystals look like, they don't look like Energon necessarily, but... Yeah. They look to me like if you were going back to G.I. Joe, the mass relay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The mass relay, the, the, the crystals, crystals from, that. from that. Yeah. Um, they call them, like, com- or they, something 13. Yeah, I think it's like IO thirteen. Yeah, I don't know, something. Um, yeah, something like that. It, the, whatever the compound is, or whatever it is, is thirteen. Whatever. Anyway, the fluctuations, of course. Um, Big Ben tells him he knows he's dead. He's like, no, no, I can get you out, man. He's like, no, 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 you you need to go. And so about that time, his his pilot reels him back in by the cable, and we have Manalopas blow up. Um, which is not a good thing because it blows up like a lot. Yeah. Now, there is a little prehistory that we'll just explain real fast here. Um, basically, they're combining the timelines for the ongoing uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe series. So, there's been a point where Optimus Prime and a lot of the Cybertronians left Earth, and Megatron came back and really decimated a lot of the U.S. And when... Optimus Prime came back and defeated him, basically Optimus said, like, you're going to be under our protection, and you're going to be a part of the, like, kind of global, or the universal universal. universal community. Now, a lot of people on Earth have kind of started to think that this means that they've been basically took over by the Autobots. Like, yeah, like, they've been subjugated by By the Transformers. So... You know, being a covert agency that G.I. Joe is, it's been tasked with being wary of the Transformers. Right. Because they don't know what their agenda really is. That's a pretty good explanation. Um, it's called OR-13. That's what the substance is. Oh, okay. So, yeah, O-R-E-13. Um, anyway, we cut from Mount Olympus exploding to uh, the president. Uh, she is uh, talking to... Uh, General Joe Colton, which if you're a G.I. Joe fan, you know this is the name of the original G.I. Joe. Yeah, surviving from action. Surviving from the action team. Um, so he, he's like the G.I. Joe. Um, and he's in a briefing with the president. Of course, the president's talking about a lot of what Rob just said, um, about the idea of being controlled by the, by the Autobots and who's, who's are we really subjugated to by them or... You need to keep an eye on them. And of course, Joe's like, "Oh yeah, we got to figure out a way to be able to stop these things." And about that time, Scarlet churn, Scarlet uh, chimes in about, "Oh yeah, we got a giant problem happening out in uh, what's she talking about?" Oh, that's in Greece, I think. Oh well, she, yeah, they were talking about the Greece explosion. Yeah, that's right, because she's catching him up to what's happening mm-hmm. before the rainstorm happens. Mm-hmm. So she brings that up, and if you know GI Joe, then there's no way you don't know Scarlet. Because she's been a major part of the G.I. Joe Eat franchise the entire time. Uh, well, except for the old action team days. But from the G.I. Joe days. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we get cut from there to uh, Optimus Prime, basically watching a video of the blown-up Mount Olympus, wanting to know, well, why is the OR-13 having so many problems? Like, how does this happen? Who did this? Like, wh- why is this happening? We have so much of this stuff underneath our current headquarters. If there's a problem with it, 
are we going to be able to get away? Is Do we need to do something about it? And so he's asking all these guys um, what they know about the, the ore, if there's something that's wrong with it. And I think it's Soundwave who, yeah, Soundwave, who's at this point flipped sides after the whole Negatron battle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I such, noticed fluctuations in the mountain before it exploded. Like, globally, I guess. And Optimus is like, well, is there any way we can use that to our advantage? He's like, no, not really. You know, things blow up and it's bad. Um, which is pretty much how it goes. Well, you find out from there that the only sort of robots that are really left on the planet, um, it, there's a small, small group of them. So not all the Transformers Autobots have come back. Um, yeah, and was... they're split up in two different groups. We've got one group that's out dealing with a, a flooding situation, which is out in Oregon, I think. Is it Oregon? Yeah, it is Oregon. Yeah, and they're basically out trying to help people get them relocated and get them out of the flood. And so we've got the two of them out running around doing stuff, and that's, we got Jazz out there, who's he's an old-school Autobot type. Um, and while they're out there helping, basically Colton and Scarlet decide, well, we got to stop these robots. You know, they, What they're doing out here, they're probably going to hurt these people. Who knows what they're really doing? And so basically Joe sends them to attack the robots. So basically, they start shooting at Jazz, and I don't remember what the girl robot's name is. I think it's a Crunch or something. Something like that. But they basically just start attacking them. Then while they're doing this, the Autobots are moving sandbags, trying to build a wall with a whole bunch of random people. And so, like, it's a little weird because G.I. Joe opens fire crazy style. Yeah. I mean, Scarlet does make a point to, to talk trash to a guy about whether he can aim good or not before he does it. They did also kind of clear up a little bit of this in that Mainframe was one of the people who did this first attack with a drone, and he starts talking to another person a little bit later who is more sympathetic to the Transformers about how he had friends die during the assault with Megatron, and so he still blames the Transformers for that. So we have to assume, even though it's not said, that many of the tra- many of the G.I. Joes kind of view the Transformers as all the same. Instead of it being Decepticons and Autobots, they're just giant robots. Right. And that they're responsible for the death of a lot of Joes and a lot of American soldiers. Right. That's very much how you look at it. I mean, if you think very, if you think like uh, Transformers 2, the way the military wasn't there, yeah, rather than it responding in a way that there's good guys and bad guys, they're just all robots, so... Damn racist. Right? What do you call that? Ro- ro- robot ro- roses. There's a name for it. It's from Futurama. I don't remember oh, what it is. Is there? Well, there's robosexuals, but that's something different. Oh. That's if you want to. I know. I didn't even know there was a name for it from Futurama. I'm pretty, pretty sure there is. They have the answers. <laughs> they where, are from the future. Where is the people that would know that? Oh, yeah. Craig oh, isn't here. Oh, he's not here. Yeah. He would have known that. He would have known that. That's true. He would have known that. Or either that, or we would have just turned to him and he would have been. Yep. And he starts sweeping the floor. <laughs> well, he's One got, of the two. He's got two modes, Rob. Only two. Uh, anyway, so let's move back on to the book. Focus. Yes. Man, there's no more future. There's more and more and more stuff to get through here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they battle for a little bit, and the whole time Joe Colton's just and Scarlet are like trying to call shots about who to attack, and it's it's very odd to me that Colton's there in like full suit, not like GI Joe action suit, but like military suit. Like, he's wearing, like, button-down medals on his chest. It, it's, it's weird, like, the way he's dressed. Whereas everybody else is in their action uniform. Even Scarlet changed from the suit she was wearing before into her action uniform. 
So Colton just didn't, I guess, which is weird. Anyway, um, as the battle goes on, Jazz gets one of his arms blown off, and he's like, you know, we gotta go. This isn't, this isn't working. And the girl is like, we should have left earlier. And he's like, alright. So the two of them go to roll out, and about that time, Optimus Prime shows up, and he's like, People of Earth, stop shooting at us. We're not here to cause problems. Everyone's friends. Yeah, he tells them, like, to put their guns down. And right. of course they're like, You don't give us orders. Hell no! <laughs> right. Uh, so that leads to more shooting. Um, then at one point, they're getting ready to use some of the planes to start shooting rockets at them. And Soundwave infiltrates the computer systems and shuts, all, shuts them all down. And he makes a really good point, because at one point, he's talking to one of the Joe soldiers. And he's like, eh, a couple months ago, I wouldn't have even bothered. I would just killed all of you. There wouldn't have been any of this, like, stopping things from working. And there's a little bit taken by that, but not much. Because even that guy was with one of the others that doesn't feel like things are... As black and white as the other, the, as the rest of them do. Yeah. But does that stop the fighting? No, it, it doesn't. They continue to battle a little more, shoot each other a little more, and then things get real hectic. And they get real hectic by what, Rob? By the arrival of Rom. Hell yeah! If you want to break up a party, you send Rom to break up the party. Is that not the right way to say that? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, Rom swoops in. And being the badass that he is, completely ignores the Transformers and goes straight over to George Colton and basically neutralizes him to death. Yeah. Nullifies him, that's the nullifies. word. Nullifies him into a hunk of nothing, into a hunk of mess. Bone and meat, flesh parts, and Scarlet's like, oh my god! Now, if you're reading Rom, this makes perfect sense to you, because Rom is able to see these characters called the Dire Wraiths. And the Dire Wraiths are basically shape-changing sludge aliens that have started impersonating humans on Earth and have been doing it for, I don't know, years. Well, Rom can tell the difference, and when they're outed, usually they start sending tentacles everywhere and causing problems, like crazy style. But at this point, Colt wants to give that option, and so all Scarlet and the G.I. Joe see is another shiny metal guy burning the hell out of the commander. Uh, then he burns a couple other guys that get wiped out pretty good. Uh, Red Zone, who I don't think is real, and then Hi-Fi, who is real. Um, he's the guy with the dis dishes on his head. Oh, damn, yeah. I like that guy. I know, right? Now, does that mean that these are the only, that they've been killed and replaced? I don't know, because they talked about the letter in the background up, which we'll get to in a minute. So, remember this point. We don't know if this is the real them or not. Well, or if the real of them is still alive, let's go with that. Yeah, they may not have been completely replaced, right. or killed and replaced. Rome definitely believes that in his own series, but I have a feeling that some of the name Joes, that probably won't be the truth for. Because I think it'd be odd if Joe Colton was killed by an alien and then replaced and nobody noticed. It'd be weird. Anyway, uh, so about that time, they decide, well, man, we got to turn on the small one. And of course, Joe Colton, when he saw him, because he knows who Rom is because he's an alien... Um, tells him, take the shiny one, the little one, kill that one. Don't care about the big ones anymore. Kill the little one. Because he knows it's Rom, and that Rom's whole job is to destroy the entire race. Mm. He's like an exterminator for cockroaches. And, and Rom is kind of like, if you can imagine being asked all the time why you're doing something, he's at that point already. Yeah. So, Rom doesn't explain. No. Rom just does what he does, and then he leaves. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it, I guess he's like, history will figure this out. <laughs> Rom away. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's exactly how it is. 
Oh, man. Yeah, exactly but how it, it is. It actually leaves a lot of confusion in the background. Oh, hell yeah. Everyone else is like, what the hell's going on? Because even the Transformers are like, that little one's killing the hell out of the people. We should stop him. And about that time, it causes more confusion for the poor Joes. And then uh, the Transformers go after Rom, and Scar is left saying, we need revenge. That's basically where that wipes up at. So, um, there is some backup stuff in here. They have a uh, backup story that appeared in a couple of the other Revolution books. Yes. Which gives you a little more background. Uh, it's not part of this main story. It's more like a prequel. Yeah, it, it's, it should have been in a bunch of the ROMs before this point. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to read it and you just want to start Revolution, I do suggest going back and reading that first because it'll give you some, some background that's kind yeah, of important. Yeah, so that, that, that's true. Um, there is a couple of cool pages of what normally I would skip. Because it's like letter column stuff, I normally assume, and I usually don't read that. And other people do, I don't, generally. Um, unless we're mentioned in there as a store or as a podcast or something. And then I read it, and I'm like, sweet, look at this, guys. Awesome. Otherwise, I don't pay attention. <laughs> but these two pages are the dialogue between Action Man and his connection at G.I. Joe. And what they run through on here basically explains the two pieces of what Joes know about what's going on and what he knows. Now, granted, this didn't get to all the rest of our Joes in this episode because this is the stuff right after the thing, right after Olympus exploded. Yeah, so it's before they respond to the call in Oregon. Yes. So all this stuff right here, had it gotten there earlier, may have stopped this battle in Oregon, in general, or Portland, Portland, Oregon. I, yeah, Portland. That's right. Portland. Oh, Oregon. Is it Portland? Portland, Oregon. It's the yeah, Oregon's the state. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's hard to say if it would have or not, but it does it make the connection between Action Man and G.I. Joe solidified in a way. Um, that they're both two covert agencies that are aware of each other, and while they don't necessarily work together, um, they know each other exist. So, it was pretty interesting, actually. So I say read those pages, too, because the, it's, it's an interesting little bit of information. Yeah, it'll give a little bit more. Um, the neat thing that they've done with the Dire Wraiths in the ROM series is that they've, they've channeled a little bit of John Carpenter's The Thing in that you can't be sure who is who. You know, ROM knows, but, you know, ROM is reacting a lot like they live, you know. He's, he's acting on information that nobody else has. Right. Man, that's a good way to explain that. It is like they live. If you don't know what they live is, I don't know where you've been, but you should really see it. It's a yeah. movie... It stars the rugged well stars stars the rugged Roddy Piper. Yep. Um, so if you if you don't know what that is, you should really get yourself versed in it. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it's not on somebody's list of remakes because it's actually a really good film. Yeah. It's just. Well, it's old. Yeah, well, it's old and you know rugged. Fantastic. Ronnie may not be the best actor. Oh, but the plot the is bad. fantastic. It is good, and it and it birthed. If you've if you've ever watched South Park and you watched uh, Kenny and Timmy fight, that whole fight scene is directly ripped out of that movie. Yeah, every part of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. So so yeah, they 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 live and then combine that with the thing. The thing. Yeah. That's man, that's a really good way to explain that. Provide you know what those things are. And if you don't, well, then that case yeah, it's, it's it's doesn't help it's at all. To, it's hard to explain. Uh, okay, so score. That took a lot longer than I expected <laughs> it to. But uh, there's a lot of euphemism in the middle and other I, things. I actually like Revolution. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be a good title. I, they're, they're reaching really hard because they're putting so many things together. Right. Um, and some of these worlds, you know, they, when they were making 
the history for G.I. Joe and the history for Transformers, they didn't plan for them to be together. No. And so there's a little bit of mop-up to make that work. Um, but I, I don't know. I, ultimately, I think it's pretty good. Um, I'd give it I'd give it a three, five, I think. Three and a half? Yeah, I'd give it a okay. three and a half. Um, I'd go a step higher, give it a four. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's fairly entertaining. I'll give you some of the dialogue is jarring. Uh, now, you, the main thing you got to remember while you're reading is that this is a, at most of this is a battle sequence. So you have the Transformers and you have the Joes all in the same scene, and while they're talking, they're not talking to each other. Yeah, because we discussed that earlier. Right. So you got points where, like, like when Soundwave is telling the one Joe that he is talking to, I wouldn't have cared before and just mopped, mopped the floor with you guys. And the other Joes don't hear that, even though they're all in the same area. So there's a point where, I mean, if you're reading it as, like, continuous dialogue, it would seem confusing. But you got to remember, these characters aren't talking to each other. And if you're in the middle of a battle and there's a giant robot that's saying things, it doesn't mean you can understand what it's saying. Not because the language is wrong, but because you're in the middle of a rain, like, lightning sequence and shooting guns everywhere. So it, it tracking there, I think it was in a movie or a TV show, would make it a lot easier for people to understand. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't have a problem with it, really, but I see when you said that, you're like, I don't understand why they can't get what the guys are saying. I see what you mean. Yeah. So I can see that being jarring a little bit. It's all a matter of perception how you read it. So keep that in mind, I guess, when you read it. That's what I would say. Yeah, because there was a, the part with jazz that I was really like, really, guys? Really? Well, yeah. But but I guess, you know, like you said, in the Haze of War maybe is what they were going for. Right. And if it had been like boom, 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 a lot of times when you're reading a comic, like your perception of time isn't the same as what it would be if yeah. you were watching it. Right. And so you kind of got to remember that, like, there's not any turns here, you know. This guy was probably running up to do what he was going to do well before he was like, bro, don't tase me. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I'll give you that. That I can see, and I can see that what you were saying about that. But I think it's more a matter of perception than it is anything else. Someone, someone told me the other day they felt like they made G.I. Joe seem stupid. But the problem is that half the Joes aren't really Joes. And so they're not acting stupid, they're just acting in the preservation of destroying the robots because it could cause them problems. So, yeah, everything I mean, Joe Colton's doing is to lead you down the wrong path. Yeah, Colton has to be a dire wraith. Oh, yeah. Because after everybody's hosing him down with bullets, he just stands there and doesn't do anything about it. No. So, I mean, he, he, he had to be. He being Rom, because, like, Robot oh, yeah, unloads, like, a full clip of spinning death into the robot, or into Rom, and he's like, this ain't doing nothing, why isn't he shooting me? I don't understand. This is crazy. Yeah. Not that I'm mad that he's taking it, but... Yeah, yeah, why doesn't he fight back? Right. And yeah. then, of course, Rom, like you said, just flies away with no explanation, because, yeah, well, he's Rom, he's, he's had it. I'm sure he's tired of it. No, by no now. Doubt. Like, every time he shows up, people are like, oh my god, it's a robot, and then he starts vaporizing diarrhea, and they're like, oh my god, he's killing fools. It's like, that was Aunt Uncle Jimmy. He's like, no, no. Didn't you see the tentacles? Like, I don't know why. I thought those were his insides. <laughs> they came out of his hands, man. But yeah, I thought they were like, isn't that what we're made of? Tentacles? No. no. Right. Well, some some of them aren't doing that now. Well, Colton definitely doesn't. Yeah. No, all the Joes these apps don't. Yeah. But but they, clearly they must be. Otherwise, he wouldn't have vaporized them. No, no, he would have took out. Just Rom, he has he has a reason for doing things. He doesn't just randomly vaporize fools. That's why I can't be Rom. Because I'm randomly hosing people. Me and Eradicator just killing as we go. It's terrible. Eradicator from 
From the old... From, uh, from the old... From the, the old Superman? Superman? <laughs> just the beginning of it. Eventually he started understanding it was wrong to kill people. Oh, yeah, that's true. Ah, all right. Well, there's stuff. enough revolution, Rob. Let's okay. <sighs> move on to Teen Titans Rebirth. Nice. Number yeah, yeah. one, which has no connection to that. No. Okay. Oh, my God. All right, so Teen Titans Rebirth number one, the Zero Teen Titans, uh, what should have been titled Zero. Yeah. Um, this guy is uh, written by uh, Ben Percy, and the art is by John Boy Myers, which, depending on if you're a DeviantArt follower or not, you've probably seen some of his work around the Internet. Uh, fantastic artist. Awesome cover. Yeah, I would, I would have suspected there was two different artists for this book. No, it's... And it's, it's all just him. Just this one, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but basically, we open up, and uh, we're... In the middle of a party, and it's a Beast Boy party. Yeah, ain't no yeah. party like a Beast Boy party. Right. And there's a shadowy figure, of course, watching the party. Uh, while this is going on, basically what we have going on is, is Beast Boy is taking some of his uncle or his grandfather's money. Uh, I think it's uncle. Uncle's money. Yeah. And he's rented a giant house in California, Hollywood Hills, to throw a party so he doesn't have to think about his friend dying. And this this particular issue deals with a lot of that for each of the characters. And just just in case you weren't remembering, that's that's Tim Drake. Right. In case you didn't remember, Tim Tim Drake um, yeah. being dead. And uh, as this is going on, like we see him DJing, and the entire time he's talking about to himself about things that he's heard Tim say. And Tim says his weak his biggest weakness is he prefers an audience, and he's a seeker of love and. The things he looks, the thing, his weaknesses are the things that make him fun, pretty much, and he's, he's harping over that about Tim being right about that and how he hates it. Um, anyway, so he winds up running into a, a, he just says he, does, he doesn't know any of the people at this party at all, but as long as they're having fun, he doesn't care. And so we we meet a couple people, and he's like, I don't know you, hope you're having fun. And then he winds up meeting a, a pretty girl, and of course that turns into. Maybe some sexy time, which then turns in him turning into a giant shark while they're in the pool together and freaking her the hell out, which is kind of awesome, but at the same time foolish. Beast Boy, foolish. And that leads to him saying, oh, it's another problem I have. Like, I'm a seeker of love, but I think I'm funny and I don't know where the line is. Um, and that leads to her running inside in her bra and panties from the pool. And then our shadowy figure tasing the crap out of Beast Boy. Which is kind of awesome. Because he's in the pool, and you know he just hit the pool with the taser. Um, and then uh, the shadowy figure says, one down, three to go. And from there we cut to a sunny paradise. Where we're joining Starfire, beachside, um, wandering around with a constable uh, from the island. So like a police, a police officer from the island. And what she's talking about in her head is what she's trying to do with her life, because she needs to feel busy, and she needs to be championing for other people, otherwise she doesn't feel like she belongs in this world. And she has some memories of flashbacks of how she tried to convince Dick Grayson to come join her, but he's got his problems in Gotham, and she can understand that Gotham's at least an honest city, because his beach property, the whole reason she's there is because they're doing human trafficking, and people are being kidnapped and smuggled through Florida into human slavery. And how she knows how slavery is, so she's going to stop the slavery. Um, we do get a kind of cool shot of the the uh, the police officer eating a fruit, and there's a bug inside, like a worm. And the worm is, is Suki, so silky, silky from mm -hmm. the uh, from the 
the Titans, Titans Go cartoon. It's well, her regular Titans too. Also, yeah. it's her it's her pet her pet worm, which is hilarious if you know the shows. Otherwise, I mean, ultimately it's of no consequence. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so she's wandering around basically trying to do like protection stuff, and she winds up seeing this young boy get grabbed off the beach by a, an older, uh, I don't know, trafficker looking type guy. I guess. I mean, he's not dressed especially grim, but. He basically grabs the kid and starts running with him. The kid's screaming bloody murder. And so Starfire goes after him, kicks the t- like shoots the crap out of the dude, and then is basically getting ready to rule him. And he's like, no, no, wait, I, w- I was told to. I-, I got paid to do it. I got paid to do it. It's supposed to be a joke. And she's like, paid by who? And then we get another tasering, for the lack of a better description. And uh, that takes care of Starfire. And then we move forward uh, to New York City, and we join Raven uh, entering a museum in the middle of the night, which ultimately she probably shouldn't be. Uh, she winds up running into the security guard. Uh, she does some magic on the security guard to make him woozy and not realize she's really there. And then she explains how she likes to go to the museum to look at the pieces of art because it helps calm her so she can focus on her internal emotions using the artwork. And it's really kind of cool, like retrospective look at her inside and how she feels like the only time she can go there is when no one else is there because of all the people yeah. and the distractions they create. Well, yeah, she's an empath, so they're they're going back on that idea that she's having a hard time feeling her emotions instead of everyone else's. Right. Um, which, of course, that leads to her seeing Hellfire and explains her father Trigun, so it's old hat for those of us that know where she's from. It's still cool the way they did it. I mean, it looks cool art-wise. Um, and then uh, we basically have her get tranked, and that takes her out, too. Then we move forward to uh, Central City, which, if you're a DC Comics follower or a fan, or a fan of The Flash, um, Keystone and Central are two places you really deal with. Uh, so, we wind up running into uh, Barry, no, oh no, Wally West. This is the young kid Wally West, not the return from time Wally West. Um, and he's... It's it's really introspective for most of them. And he's thinking to himself about how he doesn't fit as an adult, he doesn't fit as a teen, he's not a kid anymore, and he's not an adult, and no matter what he does, the law, law looks at him on the wrong side because he seems like a thug. I mean, he's kind of dressed like a thug, too, so go figure. Uh, but about that time, we wind up seeing a guy come running out of a store with a bag of stuff, and the shopkeeper's trying to stop him, and the guy's dressed similar... Yeah, they both have hoodies on, pants. Anyway, so he uh, basically takes off, does some flash running, catches the guy, talks about how he's having trouble controlling his speedometer, his internal speedometer. He doesn't call it that, he calls it something else, but that's what he means. And he winds up being back at the exact same place he started in the city, and the grocery clerk sees him, and is like, that's the guy that stole my stuff, because he's holding the bag at the time. So, eh, honest mistake, or is it set up? I mean, it's set up. Obviously, it's for us to see whatever. But uh, from there, we want to see him transform into his suit and go running. And he has a... It's like... It jumps forward a little bit to the evening, and he's running through the subway. Because in the subway, he can run, and it's like he's a loaded bullet, and he just doesn't have to stop. Well, while that's going on, he uh, winds up finding what looks to be a passed-out man in the alley, in, or in the tunnel on the tracks, and he's like, oh man, are you alright? And so he picks him up, and he lifts him over, and we wind up seeing that it's a robot, and then it gasses him. It's very similar to what happened to Raven, except being shot out of a robot. 
Um, then that leads us to our next scene, which is all of them basically chained up in an electro field with power dampening abilities. And I'm going to leave it there, so the last page is your real catch. I mean, if you know how this series of books works, and you know how the Teen Titans works, you should know the next page. But it's very dire straits that they're in, Rob. I mean, look at them. They're all chained up. Most of them are unconscious. Yeah. They're chained up with electro powers, so they're not able to do anything to break themselves free. And they know they're not alone. Now, the only thing I would interject in there is that Starfire wasn't in her costume before. She is there at the end. That's true. That, yeah, she was in pants and a like shirt, flowery. So, so type something sun shirt. Something underhanded happened. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I find that unlikely, but at the same time, it almost makes sense. It's it's funny. It would, it would to make, me, it would make sense. Um, you know, I give it a four. I mean, it's a pretty good book. Yeah. It's fun. The art's great. Um, it, the catch at the end is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it. It's it's. Not like groundbreaking by any means, but it's a fun book. Yeah. For, for a zero, it's actually oh, yeah, it's, exactly it's what great. I expect. It's great for a zero, yeah. yeah. The zero issue is great. Um, I, I'd follow suit. I'd give, give it a four or five. Um, Titans, once again, Teen Titans is one of the books that I really like. Right. And I've not been super happy with a lot of the New 52 Teen Titans. And I feel like each incarnation is getting closer to what the Titans should have been to begin with. I think this, at least from this issue, it's where it needs to be. It'll be interesting to see what the, the number one, the regular number one is. Yeah. Because that's going to be where the stuff actually starts. That's true. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. But, but, I, this, but this particular issue, great. Yeah, at this point it feels like everybody's on par. Like right. they, they feel like the characters they're supposed to be instead of, well, let's get in Brick and let's get in Skitter and let's get in a really angsty... Wonder bunker. Girl and yeah, I'm sorry, Blunt Bunker. You know, I, like a lot of the things that just didn't work. I feel like they're better here. And of course, you know, not having like that horrible incarnation of Tim Drake helps too. So right, because that was one of the things that hurt me a lot for the original Teen Titans was just like it was hard for me to even get it because like he was my ground, and even he was wrong. Right. So, and I'm actually really excited to see what they do with this Kid Flash. Because I think he's going to be cool. It'll and, be interesting to see how they work that, yeah. And they've done great with Beast Boy ever since they brought him in. And this feels even like even more like Beast Boy. You know? Sure. So, not to say I don't like Bunker because I thought he was actually cool in the second incarnation. But well, the second series, they used him better. Like, the beginning of that first first run on New 52, there were pieces that were cool. I mean, whenever they did yeah. the whole, like, uh, what was the crossover with uh, Legion Lost? Uh, was was the, well, there was the culling. Which culling. The culling stuff was pretty good because the way they all worked together was was good. And they had a couple deaths of characters that were there just to die, yeah. Yeah. But nevertheless, they were named characters, and the way that affected other people was pretty cool. So there were pieces that were good, but the overall like feeling of the characters as it went, they just didn't work. Yeah, right. Everything felt wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which I mean, that's why it had a reboot. Yeah. It's before just, everything else, you know. Right. But I mean. They, I, I feel like this is the better Teen Titans, so if you've been afraid to pick up Teen Titans, now's the time. Right. All right, let's move on to uh, Karnak, number five. All right. So Karnak 5 is being written by Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. got the artwork by Roland Bashir. And this is getting this is getting pretty close to the end of one of their big 
arcs. So kind of one of the things that was important at the beginning of this is that they found a new Inhuman, and they thought he was being kind of brainwashed by this cult. And he was kind of living in squalor. And so he was kind of put off with Karnak, who uh, is, is being called Minister Karnak because he's a part of the royal family. Right? He's basically in his own cult all, also. Pretty pretty much. Yeah. But, like, he's supposed to be like, oh, I'm going to help you. I'm right. going gonna, gonna to help you to, like, lose your attachments and become better as in human, and, like, you'll be able to see the world for what it is. Right. right. And so he's been he's left that guy at his monastery while he's gone off to try to find whoever was in charge of the of this cult. Right? And he's kinda left it in the hands of Colton. And so we kinda catch up with them towards the end of that adventure. And they're kinda talking about one of the things that came from that, which was like a a group of inhumans that were used to teleport people. And they were kinda talking about that a little bit and then how Colton thought it was kind of irritating that he had manipulated him into taking this thing as a shield operative instead of it being an inhuman thing. But um, Karnak just asks him, you know, to in to be able to go in and interrogate this new prisoner, this, uh, this guy who calls himself the Painter, who's supposed to be either, if he's not the main guy in the cult, he's very close to the top. I'm thinking he's actually pretty just just close to the top because he keeps referring to Adam being able to give him powers. Right. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't talk about himself being an inhuman. But as Karnak and him start talking, he reveals to him why he's called the painter. And it's basically like he can manipulate the environment around him, almost like a painter would to, to put you in a new scene. Um, and evidently he has some kind of level of telepathy, because he can actually get into people's minds. And basically a lot of what's going on in this story is Karnak believes that he's completely unbreakable. That he's, he's let go of his ego, he's the ultimate authority on things, both inhuman and like separated from, from the worlds and, and its manipulations. And as he talks to this guy... He starts finding out, like, the, this, this guy might have his number, and, like, sees him as weak, and that he's been manipulated, and that he really needs this help. And, like, he's he's almost breaking the unbreakable Karnak, and instead of by force, he's, he's doing it by word, by basically, like, pointing out the gaps in his, his way of thinking, his ideals. And so the guy, in a way, does more to erode Karnak's view of the world without doing anything than just explaining his, his own life. Um, and it basically shocks Karnak. It makes Karnak realize that if this guy is capable of making him question his reality, he, he may not have just been a real capture a prisoner, he may have been put here to like, like weaken everybody else's resolve and yeah. like change the way that they think. And so he starts putting it together that like this Adam guy, maybe that's what he's really spreading is, is like a change in the way that people think. Um, there is a pretty explosive end to this interrogation. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Which, which also leads to like kind of a shocking end 
where Karnak might take things further than than he probably should. But um, one of the cool things about it is it, it brings up a, a, a plot point again, which is that Karnak, even though he's part of the Inhuman royal family, he never went through the Triagen Mist. So his ability to see the weak points in things is by his own doing. It's not a special power that he gained from the mist. Um, and we start seeing in this book, especially the painter, kind of brings out this idea that because he never got changed by the mist, that maybe like he's harbored this like hatred for the other inhumans. You know, or people who have abilities that they didn't have to hone themselves. Well, it's more like a jealousy inside of them, yeah. It's possible. Um, either way, though, like, honestly, you know, sometimes Warren Ellis, take him or leave him, sometimes the stuff he does is fantastic, and sometimes not so much. This was a great take. And, like, the the first book of Karnak, I think we... We I think re- we reviewed yeah, it. Yeah, we reviewed the first one, too. It's, it's, timing in its release has been terrible. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's killed itself because of that timing. Well, not entirely. I mean, but the readership here at our, at our shop has fallen off because of that. It's not as bad as the first Inhumans with Mad. No. Like, but that, that one basically lost everyone. And Ryan Stegman's fantastic, so thank God that saved part of that. Yeah. But, yeah, it, its release has been weird. I don't really feel like that the release is... From what I can see, it doesn't feel like this doesn't gel with what's happening in Civil War. Because it seems like it still fits. I mean, nothing's happening in here that contradicts anything else, so... Timing and release, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be... It could easily be something to do with the guys and, like, their family, and they want to met a kid or something like that. I mean, there's millions of reasons why a book comes out slow. It's not always just because stuff's not done. And there may, in fact, be a reason, I mean, where this story's going. Maybe the second arc connects heavily to something else. Yeah. So it's hard to say exactly why, but it is kind of annoying. I mean, as a reader, it's a little annoying. That's all. Yeah. That. Anyway, did you score that book? I haven't yet. Um, I'd give it a 3.5. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really well written. Um, thought it brought up a lot of cool points. And honestly, it's one of those ones where, like, with one... I wasn't sure where we were going, but it feels like they have a really strong direction as they've continued. So, so from one to now, like actually, Karnak is a really legit book, and it's worth checking out. So. Right, and with it with it being this far down the road now, if getting into it, trying to pick it up, I mean, it's closer to the trade now anyway. Yeah. So I think reading wise, you wouldn't have the same problem we had if you were to start it now, just because the time between A and B was pretty long. Yeah, well, um, but as far as the series is concerned, yeah, that number one was great. Hmm. And like the story, the way it's set up there, the way he deals with Colton there, the way he deals with Colton in this one, he's he just ballsy. Like Colton, yeah, he's not like the he's most not like, like Nick he's not the most intimidated dude in the world, but at the same time, he's pretty important. Yeah. So like the way the way that they deal with each other is really pretty cool. I um, mean, you know, like I fall suit and give it a three and a half also. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I, the art style is not... It fits what's going on in the story. Yeah. I mean, it's not as technical as what I normally like, but the explosive sequences are great. Yeah. Like, they're freaking awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of points in this story that I really liked what what this guy brought to the table for. Right. Me. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it definitely fits with what they're doing, and the covers have been really cool too. I mean, we had the one cover with all the different uh, like po- with all the different fighting stances. Uh-huh. This one's the stained glass. Like the covers have been great too. So series wise, they've had really good things going on. I just don't understand the slump between it time wise. Yeah. Not that I need to, because I mean, who the hell am I? I'm Batman. <laughs> no. Well, ho- hopefully the main thing is you didn't lose faith that yeah, you kept going yeah. with Karnak. Well, yeah, I still got them all, so yeah. Well, no, I mean, for people out there in the world. Oh, right. And if you forgot... Not me personally? No, not you personally. Oh. And if you forgot Karnak was going on, go to your store and get it. Come on, people, jeez. Because it's it's one of the strongest in human time holes right now. You you know, they're like, oh, I got one and two, and I thought it ended. Yeah. No, no, no. But but you're only three issues short, so hey. Hey, there we go. I, I would be surprised if they don't go to the next issue for trade. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I think they're going to do all six in one. That makes so. sense. This, this doesn't wrap up everything. No. It no. definitely left other gaps. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe a six or seven part, maybe. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine them going... You know, I, the story may go to seven. Right. But I can't imagine the trade going to seven. I, I imagine mm-hmm. it'll go to six. Pins and how it wraps up, Rob. That's true. Okay, so... Uh, that's it for books. Um, we do have an interview with uh, Miss Jody uh, Hauser. Uh, she has the Mother Panic book coming out, I want to say, about three weeks. Um, well, from okay. now. From, well, from current, yeah. So when you listen to this, who knows? Yeah. She will be writing Mother Panic. That's the way to do it. Yes. She's writing Mother Panic uh, for the uh, Young Animal line. Uh, cool lady. Um, she's got a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of digital comics she wrote. Uh, she's also writing Faith over at Valiant. Um, Which is surprisingly good. It's right. really, really good. No, so yeah, she also wrote um, the Orphan Black Friday W, um, the four-part miniseries. Good also. Now, granted, you had a TV show to lean from, but if you haven't seen Orphan Black, it's also a show you should really watch because it's great. Oh my God, it's great. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I got got a couple minutes with her over. Uh, thanks to uh, one of the uh, liaisons in, at the uh, DC out in San Diego, who was fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Charlotte, if you listen, then you are awesome, lady. Anyway, here's the interview with Jody. Right, this is Steve with Top 5 Comics Podcast, and I'm here at the San Diego Comic Con with... Uh, Jody Hauser, writer of Mother Panic. Right, Jody. So now we we know you know a few other characters with the other books. We got Faith and Orphan Black. Um, so what can you tell us about Mother Panic? Uh, so Mother Panic, her real name is Violet Page. She's sort of a trouble-causing celebutant on the Gotham social scene. Uh, most people would think she's sort of just very shallow and has anger management issues and that there's nothing really beneath the surface. But uh, she has a really dark history, and she's taken on the moniker of Mother Panic to sort of get some vengeance for sins from her past. And she's focused on the really corrupt elite of Gotham, the people that you know Batman doesn't even necessarily know about or get involved with so it's a sort of very specific target for her and it's going to be a new side of Gotham that we haven't really seen yet. It's dealing with a, an undertone of the undertone of Gotham? A little bit. It's a, it's you know it's the really like the one percent of the one percent so it's almost like the overtone of the overtone you could say. Right on. Well it sounds awesome and this is uh, originally conceived by Gerard. Yes, the character was co-created by Gerard Way and Tommy Lee Edwards, who's also drawing the first story arc. 
So, yeah, when I came on board, there were the foundations of the character there and a lot of ideas for the story arc. So I was just basically building on top of what they'd already created and, you know, working with them to take the character in the direction that they'd hoped to go in. And so far, it's been working out really well. Freaking awesome. It sounds like it'll be a really cool book. I mean, the few art pieces that are out for it look awesome. So. Oh, yeah, this is a book that I say, you know, like, whether or not you like my writing, just buy it for the art. It looks gorgeous. It's amazing. If you're not familiar with Tommy Lee Edwards' art, you really should be. And, yeah, I've, I've been getting ink pages in recently, and they're just, each one of them is blowing me away. It looks amazing. That's awesome. Well, people want to sample your writing. I mean, like you said, Faith, Orphan Black. Orphan Black's great. I love it. I think it's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Faith at Valiant, uh, X-Files Origins at IDW, and Max Ride, Final Flight at Marvel. Right on. At one point, did you decide that you wanted to write comic books? Uh, it was sort of a whole series of things. I started doing web comics about ten years ago, mostly for fun, but also to have something out there that I could, you know, I could give people a website address and be like, "No, look, when I say I'm a writer, I'm actually writing things." And uh, then through some friends, I got involved in a few comic anthologies, and one of those was Womanthology that came out from IDW back in 2012 and was a huge Kickstarter at the time. So that experience was really great, and just getting to work with amazing artists and the collaborativeness of the storytelling really appealed to me. So at a certain point after I'd done a few anthologies, I was like, I really like this. I think I want to keep doing it. And it just sort of snowballed from there. Right on. So are there any writers that like inspire you or that you like follow or is, do you have a, so many personal favorite, anything like that? Oh, uh, there's just so many. I, I mean, I think right now we're really in a new golden age of comics and I could probably sit here for 10 minutes just listing writers and artists who are huge inspirations, but I mean, I just every week you go to the comic shop and there's something new to just really make you feel like, what am I doing here? I'm crap and make you push yourself further. So, Which is kind of awesome. Okay, if you were stranded on a desert island, and you only take five items, including people, what would you take with you? Uh, I would take a survivalist chef person to, like, make sure I stayed alive. Um, probably a Kindle, which would hopefully still get Wi-Fi access, so I would always have stuff to read. Uh, a laptop with, like, a satellite link up so you can still get on the Internet and, like, hopefully signal for help. Um earplugs because that's the only way I can sleep I'm like yeah really comfy bed and then that way that takes care of food entertainment and sleeping which are you know sort of the core things <laughs> that's awesome yeah I'm, I'm just assuming it's like a very well you know outfitted like you know electrical you know bathrooms and everything I, I'm not going to go to like an island that, I don't want to get stranded on an island that has nothing that would just be I'm not built for that I sit I sit right at a computer like 10 hours a day <laughs> It's freaking awesome. Okay, so we got one more. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Would I ride a chocolate pony? Um, probably. I mean, I'm not. I like chocolate, but I don't love chocolate, so I feel like that would be a safe thing for me to do and not be tempted to eat the chocolate pony. So it would probably be okay. It's <laughs> a good answer. All right. Well, we appreciate you taking time, Jody. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Ah, so, like I said, Jody was fun to talk to. Not a super long interview, but it, time is crunchy in San Diego, and you've got there's so many guests on top of each other, and so many people trying to get interviews. So it's it's real hard to schedule that stuff. Like I said, Charlotte. Uh, the, at DC, 
I don't. Should I say a last name? I don't know if I can or not. I don't want to get someone in trouble. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it matters. Uh, Charlotte Sandler, she's awesome. Uh, she's great. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, tell Jody thanks again because she's also great. Okay. Stop with my praise for no reason. Rob, what'd you learn today? I learned that if you're trying to impress a girl, you probably shouldn't turn into a giant green shark. <laughs> That's a very true statement. Because it's like we're, we're talking full-on Jaws style, man. Yep. Bad choice. Yep, that's true. Ah, uh, Rob, what did I learn today? You learned that Rom doesn't seem like he feels like he needs to talk to anybody. No explanation needed. You no. get work done. No, he's tired of saying stuff. That's true. So he's just going to turn people into crunchy bits. <laughs> and then he's going to be like, later. <laughs> awesome. Rom away! Rom away! <laughs> that's awesome. I, I also learned that Jazz's arms are really weak to missiles. Apparently so, yeah. yeah. We wouldn't think so. Fighting giant stuff, whatever. Little missiles, boom. Lasers doesn't matter. Missile, no. Yeah, not, not so much. I was, I was, I was shocked, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, is what it is. Oh, um, this is probably not new news, but I don't know if we ever actually talk about this on here. Huh. If you ever want to actually follow us on Twitter, you can go to the Top Five Comics Podcast on Twitter. Is is that is that what we're named? I want to say that if you were going to add us, I think it's Top Five. So T O P. F-I-V-E comics on Twitter. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Yeah. Pretty sure. And I've started a game thing on there. If you do underscore Antman2050 underscore, you can find me on there. I don't have nearly as much interesting things to say as the Top 5 Comic Podcast, but most, if you haven't followed Top 5 Most of, is, most of what we send out is telling people to follow our podcast. Now, granted, we do get pictures in there that yeah. come from my Instagram... How do we find the Instagram? Uh, I want to say it's CBS Zombie Slayer or Steve Moore CBS. Steve, I think it's Steve Moore CBS. So Steve Moore CBS on Instagram? I think so. But you're going to get awesome pictures in there. You're going to get a bunch of different con pictures along with some flaming vehicles because sometimes that happens. At least once. I mean, oh, no, here it is. It's Top 5 Comics CBS. There you go. There you go. Top 5 Comics CBS on Instagram. And it is the number 5. So T-O-P 5 Comics CBS. And that's how you'll find... It, when you, it's, it's me and Adam West's headdress. So that's the face that comes with it. Nice. Which is, yeah. which is on the, the Podomatic site, too. It is. That's so, true. Yeah. Well, Adam West's on the Podomatic. I guess they are both there. Oh, no, yeah. it's Adam West in the bottom. Oh, side. that's right. And this then it's is me you, in uh, Adam West's headdress. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sometimes crazy things happen. That's true. Not often, but sometimes. And, and and there's where you get pictures of them. That's that's yes. That's sometimes right. crazy things happen, and this is where you get pictures of them. Right. That should be the the tag for. That's a good. Yeah. That should be the tag for the. The bottom or the Instagram. That's yeah. If if yeah. it took tags, I don't know if they do or not. I guess I'm not smart enough to know that yet. But hey. Uh, no, he's half the battle, G.I. Joe. That's true. All right, so, Rob, books to watch? <laughs> uh, Champions is going to be coming out pretty soon. Uh, Ghost Rider is going to be coming out pretty soon. Uh, the new Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider. Yes. And that was a little farther out, but still happening. Yeah. Um, Teen Titans, of course, just barely started up. Uh, Revolution is going to go all over the place, but I, I think it's really going to be worth it. And if you were a Hasbro kid growing up, I mean, this is going to have everything but My Little Pony. Right. So, I mean, here pretty soon, they're going to really challenge you with even masks. I think, actually, the first masks already came out. Issue 1 of masks came yeah. out last week. So, I mean, it, it's going to be 
it's going to be big. And if you like a shared universe, that's where to go. You know, and, it, and it's not really superheroes. It's just fantastic stuff. Right. You know, S- super awesome science, covert action team. D- sweet. Transforming robots. It has ROM people. That's true. Come on, ROM. And you're like, I don't know what that is. I go, well, look it up. And they're okay. like, pretty sure it's in your computer. Okay, this is before that, okay? <laughs> well, <sighs> and if you haven't checked out ROM, honestly, like a lot of the battle foundation good. of this yeah. is going to be ROM. So far the series, we're at issue three, and it's been good. Yeah. So. Honestly, it, it, it's, it's really like, if you were, if you knew you were in an alien movie... You would do what Rom does. You just show up and take care of business. You don't go, oh my gosh, I wonder if you're an alien or not. He knows. Right. <laughs> no questions get work done. I, I don't want to hear S- Junior's feelings as I torch his father. He doesn't care. It's not Junior. He just blasts him away, and then he's like, now you're not ruled by an alien bug monster. You're welcome. Boom. I'm away. So no, anyways, Rom is good. Anyhow, it's been fantastic. So. Um, so books to watch, I would say, uh, I, I am interested in the U.S. Avengers, just because I like the crazy cast. I know, I know. It is a crazy cast. It is. You know. Uh, we're also getting a sh- uh, Hulk book, and this is going to be a new She-Hulk book. That's right, I saw stuff for that. Um, it's just titling Hulk. Uh, this is aftermath of her waking up from her coma. Yeah, so she's, she's been changed. not a happy camper. No. Uh, so I'm interested in that one. Um, the couple pieces of art that are out for it look pretty cool, so I guess we'll see where it goes. Hmm. Um, Which I'm, I'm interested to see with that, just like as a side note, because her trigger was supposed to be fear. Right. To make her, like, the crazy Hulk. So I'm kind of interested to see what, what they make this be. So. Right. It'll be interesting to see what threat it takes. Yeah. Um, so that one I think will be cool. I think the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider return will be cool, too. Um, hopefully some new fuel, because he showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so maybe that's why, because the first one was great. I mean, yeah. still Trad more doing. Is Trad? I think it's Trad and another artist. Yeah, Trad and another artist are helping. Um, but I yeah, so as far as art's concerned, Trad's great, um, yeah. and the character Rod Race is actually pretty fun. I mean, I I do dig it. Yeah, I thought it was, take a Ghost Rider for sure, but it's been cool. Yeah, I thought it was weird with the muscle car, but it it totally works. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I think that'll be really cool. Um, uh, pretty excited for Moon Girl. Is that what it's called? It's the uh, one from uh, Terry Moore. Or is it Junk Girl? Oh, Shoot, what's that called? Gosh, I totally it's, forgot the title for that. It's coming out from his uh, from his own imprint. Uh, I want to say it's a four-part miniseries. I don't think it's Junk Girl. I could be wrong about that, though. I'm trying to look it up right now, and I'm having trouble finding it, because why could I find it? You know, yeah, buttons and things with all the your face all over the. So any of the clicking, any of the clips you hear or whatever. Sorry about that. Cause yeah. It's just oh, nonsense. another another good one that's already out is Skybound. Oh, sorry, Motor Girl. Motor Girl. There you go. Awesome. I think it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Could be good. So I think that'll be cool. What was the other one you said? Um, Skybound. Oh yeah, Skybound. Uh, Frank Cho. Oh. There's one more Marvel, I'm sorry, and then I'll I'll stop going. Uh, Venom. We're going to get a new Venom book. Yeah. It's not going to be... It's not Space Knight. It's not Space Knight. It's not the the agent. unit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to have Flash in it anymore. So so there's going to be a new new host, and it looks like the bad old Venom. So we'll see. They're, They're promising, like, a return to the Venom that, you know... 
a lot the, of people liked. The Venom was from, so from fun to be bad. Yeah. that's. I think that's what the write-up said. Yeah. So I, I, we'll, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen to Flash, but... It'll be interesting to see what it winds up being. Yeah. So if, if you've been waiting for the the old Venom to return, it's going to happen. Right. Um, that I think that's November, too, actually. Oh. Um, so, depending on when you're listening to this, 2016, uh-huh. help me help you find things you want to read. Um, I feel like there's one other one I want to talk about, but I can't remember what it is, um, which is terrible, because what good am I then? Some, Nothing? Some good image ones. Man, yeah, but I don't think it was a, I don't think it was an image. It might oh, have been. Uh, this is, this is even further away, but Lock and Key is going to come back. I'm really excited oh, to see that. That is interesting too. Yeah. yeah, and there's been talk about another TV show for it. That'd be cool if it happens. I, I guess we'll see. I, I didn't mind the pilot, but right. There's also man. So there's more news stuff we should have talked about. God, I don't know. I mentioned the Rat Queen's anime cartoon. No. Okay, so apparently there's talk of an animated, at least one episode or maybe a movie for Rat Queens from Image. Uh, which the book at this point has been cancelled. So probably because of the artist switch, I'm guessing. And it had but, a hard time. Uh, they're talking about the animation department from Weta Workshop and Heavy Metal putting huh. it out. Okay. So uh, I guess we'll see. So I guess keep keep an eye out for that. If you guys see anything for Rat Queens, I, I let us know because I'm interested. I mean, I'd, I'd be totally down with the Rat Queens. Yeah, animated. you want emails, uh, questions, whatever. Um, it's written on the bottom of the thing, but uh, you can email them at top five podcast. That's the number five, top five podcast at Hotmail. Um, yeah, more information on Rat Queens if you guys have it uh, interested. Yeah, um, but if you never read Rat Queens, go out and get like probably the first two volumes. First two volumes, yeah. Yeah, I mean you can get the other ones if you like, but the first two are dynamite. Yeah. And then when you're done with that, go get Skull Kickers and get all of those. Yeah, Skull Kickers is great. It's not the same at all. But no, well, similar. I mean, there's similar threads, but yeah. the stories don't, no. No, they're, they're, Skull Kickers is definitely hilarious. It's meant yeah. to be hilarious. Rack Wings is, is hilarious, but it's meant to be a little bit more serious. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. I don't care anything with the other story. There, I thought for a minute they were going to come back, and it just didn't. Yeah. So, I don't know what the hell it would have been. Yeah. We'll see next time. Yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, anything else, Rob? I'm going to take that as a no. No, I'm afraid not. All right, so it's a key. Just the key. The key. <laughs> the, the new Cayman Rider is crazy looking. It looks like they're going to be doctors, and evidently has a video game theme. That is awesome. I don't have the title for it yet, but when I do, I'm sure I'll say it here, and nobody will look it up. But. <laughs> 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 um.